here's what I want people to get by that. That means you don't even have to say a word. Your energy, your vibration, the way you walk in the room, the way you carry yourself, the way you own your own greatness or not is radiating off of you. And when you're not owning your greatness, you're actually giving people permission around you to not own theirs. Welcome to the Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks. If you're looking for the ideas that can be your breakthrough for change in your business, career, or personal life, then this podcast is for you. Join Adrian as he speaks on topics of personal and professional development for the individual and interviews a variety of entrepreneurs, business owners, and thought leaders to reveal their ideas and solutions to success and its challenges. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It's time to be a courageous creator of your own change and be purposeful about doing it. Welcome back to the Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks, and we are ready to get this new episode going today with a special guest, and his name is Robert Raymond Riappel. Robert, can you say hello to our guest today, my friend? Hello to our guest, my friend. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can say see, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode, so you guys, you know, hold on to your chairs, all right? <laughs> a lot's going to come from us on this episode here. But before we get started today, make sure you go ahead and download this podcast into your favorite podcast platform, subscribe to the show, and leave us a review. So let's get into Robert's bio here. Robert Raymond Riopel is an international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur, and trainer who has spent the past 18-plus years traveling around the world sharing his passion. He has also shared the stage with and trained many of the top trainers and thought leaders in the world today. With his high energy and heartfelt style, and I can already feel that style, Robert draws on his journey from humble beginnings to financial freedom at the age of 32 to inspire individuals into tapping into their greatness. I love that term. Realizing that he is not the only person that struggles, Robert's clues open individuals up to possibilities that lie within them, and that is why he is a highly sought-after presenter. And I would agree to that. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adrian. I am so happy to be here and looking forward to, you know, hopefully being able to impart some wisdom to help people out, um, especially during these times that we're going through. Absolutely. And you're definitely going to be doing that. And before we get started, I just want to tell the listeners today that Robert is truly a heartfelt individual. Let me just share with you something that has happened between us that has created a better bond. <laughs> the first couple of times, well, the first time I had Robert on. I had some technical difficulties, and that happens with podcasters from time to time. And so I rescheduled. Robert got on the second time with me, and we recorded the whole podcast. And I called Robert back like a day later saying, Robert, I'm so sorry, but something happened with my technology again. So what did Robert do? Robert could have just said, ah, this guy's not serious. Let me just go ahead and go somewhere else. Robert said, okay, give me some time. Let's chat, and we'll figure something out. And so third time is a charm. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this with you all today is because we all make mistakes, but leaders, they understand when things happen and they work with them. Now, I'm not going to say that Robert's going to allow someone to continue to make mistakes with him, but the way that he addressed the situation with me showed true, heartfelt leadership. So, Robert, I want to thank you for that, and this is the reason why we're on this show today, and we're going to get this going right now for our audience. <laughs> uh, Remember, no fun, though. Remember, no fun. No fun. (laughs) 
Yeah, no fun. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, Robert, I love to get to know the person behind what they do. Right now, there's a phrase going around in the industry called KLT, no like and trust factor. It's been used a lot. And actually, I first heard about this factor in a book called The Go-Giver. And I've been hearing it throughout network groups, and it seems to be quite popular. So people who are listening to you for the first time have no clue. (laughs) I'm going to say this again. People who are listening to you for the first time have no clue who you are, but I know they're going to love you. How did you catch the clue? I'm going to keep saying this word all throughout the show. (laughs) It's just great. (laughs) It's just something you're going to do is say that. Yes, I have to do that. So how did you catch catch the clue that you were meant to be speaking to people across the world and coaching them on success and tapping? into their greatness. Well, it comes from my journey. And one of the things I love for people to understand, Adrian, is I am no different than anybody else. I may be a little bit more aerodynamic than most people, but just because (laughs) I'm the one that's being interviewed and just because I'm on stages around the world, does that make me better than anybody else? Uh, Heck no. I'd use another word, but I'm going to keep this PG. Um, Absolutely not. (laughs) I, I have the same ups. I have the same downs. And because of my journey, it's allowed me to now, because of the journey I've been on, allow me to hopefully help other people around the world. Um, Growing up in Canada, in central Alberta, most of my life, I learned that, you know, here's the box. Don't question the box. Don't think outside Mm -hmm. the box. Just that's the box. And as an example, when it came to work, doesn't matter whether you like a job or not. If it's got some form of security and it's helping you support your family, you do that job, which is great But all of a sudden, you know, at 21, I'm a newlywed still, and I'm being laid off from my third company that I've been working for. And I'm like, okay, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. What the heck's going on here? Mm -hmm. We were in an economical downturn at the time, and I couldn't find that real job because, you know, you put the suit, the tie, the jacket on, you go look for the real job. And I couldn't (laughs) find one. So because I'm a newlywed, I want to support my family. I decided to do something until I find that real job. And I start delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. Oh, wow. Now, what's funny, Adrian, at 21, I was the old guy. I was the old <laughs> guy for the drivers because all the other drivers were 17 and 18, which worked in my favor because I knew they all wanted to party. That was mm-hmm. the most important thing for them. So even though I wasn't scheduled a lot, especially for closing shifts, I could always convince one of them to let me have their shift because they wanted to go party instead. And I started making you know more money doing driving, and I because of my work ethic, I was able to become a manager. My wife, she okay. became my assistant manager, and together we started working hard, open to close seven days a week. And I went into stress mode about a year and a half later, when all of a sudden my franchisee announces, "I'm done with Domino's. I'm selling my two stores." And we had watched mm. enough stores around us get sold that we knew the moment a store was sold, the managers were let go because the new owners wanted to come in and do it with their own team. And so Mm -hmm. I'm in panic mode. Not only am I going to lose my income, but my wife's going to lose hers as well. That's going to impact our family. So my solution, of course, there's other stores in the city. Let's call the other franchisees, find out who needs a manager. And my wife looks at me and she's like, "Um, why would we do that? We're qualified to be franchisees. Why don't we just buy the store we're in? And I look at her, I'm like, 
Because we don't have any money. That's why we don't buy the store we're in. Because I don't know, Adrian. There's something that, you know, business takes money or something, right? It takes something. It, yeah, it money. Takes a little something, something. But what's cool is one of the reasons my wife and I gel so well is her upbringing, being the youngest of five, raised by a single mother, she was like, what box? Uh, you do and figure out whatever you need to to make things work. And so we decided to start finding out how can you buy a business if you don't have money? And I'll mm -hmm. tell you, we made a lot of mistakes. But of course, our greatest lessons come from some of our worst mistakes as long as oh, we're yeah. willing to learn from them. And as we're going through this journey, making mistake after mistake, we're learning what to say, what not to say. We're making adjustments. And about four months in, we now have the confidence and we know what to say, what not to say. As an example, when we'd go to someone who said they might lend us the money to buy a store, they'd say, so what is it you want to do? And we're like, well, we want to buy this business. Mm -hmm. And that we didn't realize was a red flag. They're like, whoa, hold the phone. Because if you're buying the business, you're buying any possible lawsuits, any possible debt, that, nope, not willing to invest my money. And when we finally asked someone, how was the better way to say it? They're like, you want to start your own corporation. Mm -hmm. And go in and buy the assets so that okay. you take, you buy them, you know, debt free, you buy them with no attachment of anything else from the past owner. And as soon as we started changing that, all of a sudden more people started listening. So as we got this confidence, we went to our bank after four months and good thing we weren't able to talk to them in the beginning because we would have messed it up. But now with the confidence, knowing what to say and what not to, they didn't finance our store. They actually gave us 100% financing for both the stores, our franchisee had for sale. Wow. And it's like, we're now franchisees at the age of 23. And we're like, oh, we're <laughs> successful. <laughs> but Adrian, we may have known how to run a Domino's pizza store. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to run a business, totally different. Mm. And for the first couple of years, we, made, we struggled. Uh, we probably shouldn't have been able to make it through those first two years, but we were just too tenacious, tenacious to quit. And mm -hmm. after two years, when we finally got things in a rhythm, we started making pretty good money. But both of us coming from, you know, poor families, we, our habit became and our upbringing was, hey, if you have extra money, what do you do? You spend it. So we started mm -hmm. to keep up with the Joneses, right? We want to make sure, hey, we're successful. We got a mistake successful. we all make. Yeah. We started buying all the toys. And next thing you know, eight years into being franchisees, we're over $150,000 in debt going down quickly. And that's personal debt. And that's when, you know, and I will tell you, financial stress is probably the worst stress I've ever gone through. And we ended up getting introduced to personal development, where we went through a three-day training that changed our life. Because in this three-day training, we learned, A, why we were in debt, understanding it, how we had created it. B, more importantly, we learned to take responsibility for that debt. Yes. I was good at blaming others, Adrian. It was like mm -hmm. they lost my investment or because of them, it didn't work out. And the moment we started taking responsibility, our life changed around. Mm -hmm. And the third thing we learned was specific actions we could take if we wanted to get out of debt and putting it into practice and actually taking action. We were actually able to go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And our minds went, wow, that worked. <laughs> if this information gave us <laughs> that result, what would more information doing? And that's when I became an avid student because I'm a big believer and I want your audience to hear this. 
Okay. Don't just learn from one person one way. You've got to learn from as many that. people. Yeah, you because look, this person may have some great tips, but maybe there's parts of it that you're like, yeah, it doesn't resonate. But this person can fill in that gap, and this person fills in the gap. And so we started learning from everybody. And that's when I found my passion was to be a trainer and a teacher. Because here's how my whole vision started. And again, something I want your audience to get. It wasn't, you know, it had to be this huge, great, vast dream. It was, if I could help even one person, mm -hmm. one person do what my wife and I had been able to do, go from being deep in debt to financially secure and make it all worthwhile. And because I did that, it allowed me to start taking the steps to become a trainer. And now, 20 years later, I've personally trained over half a million students all around the world in three to five day trainings, anywhere from 100 students at a time to 6,000 at a time, Incredible. where I'm up on stage for up to 12 hours a day, living my passion and impacting lives. And, and I'll be blunt. If in 2001, you would come to me in the audience and said, Robert, here's what's going to happen for you over the next number of years. I would have said, you're insane. You're crazy. There's no way. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. And here's what I, you know, one more piece for your audience before, because I'm going to turn it back to you. I've been just talking so much. No, you're good. <laughs> is, this is part of the conversation. I want, I want you yeah. to share this with us. Uh, see, what you don't know is the potential for, when I meet people, I see greatness in them that they don't see in themselves because they just don't own it yet. And I'm talking about greatness with confidence, not with arrogance. Okay, and so if you're listening to this pod, yes, yeah. If you're listening to this episode right now and you're going, I want a greater life, then know that you can have it. it you're going to have to put the work in without a doubt. Don't just expect it's going to be handed to you. You know, people ask me probably one of the most common questions or comments I get when I'm on stage, Adrian, around the world is people go, Robert, how can I do what you do? You're traveling the world, you're impacting lives. And some of them don't like my response because I look at them and I say, if you want to do what I do, then be willing to do what I do. The ugly, I like that. boring, you know, behind the scenes work that people don't see is not just me on stage. It's what I'm willing to do to practice and hone my skills and get better behind the scenes that no one will ever see. That's boring as hell, but I'm willing to put that work in. So you've got to be willing to do that if you want to do what I do on a stage. I love that. You know, and that idea of doing what you do, because many of us, when we see someone that we aspire to be like, we think, oh, I would love to be in your position. Well, that position took a number of steps. It took a number of tries. It took a number of failures, it took a number of dialing back to see what you need to improve on. And it takes continuous steps moving forward. And I love that you brought that up because there's so many leaders that will say, well, if you want to do what I'm going to do, then let me show you. And it's like, no, you know, you're giving them icing on the cake, show them the ingredients and they have to follow <laughs> through with that, you know? And that's why yes. I made so many mistakes coming up in this game as a speaker and podcaster, because, oh, well, let me just say this, you know, you mentioned humble beginnings and let me tell you, Robert, I have had my share of humble pie to the point where I've got full <laughs> so much. I switched damn pies and I'm like, I don't want that pie anymore. But <laughs> when was that defining moment when you realized that, you know, you needed to make a change and you answered that actually previously when you talked about your finances and going to these workshops and, and finding clarification through certain leaders and, and seeing what worked and what didn't work. But what I want to know next is why is it important to you that people tap 
into their inner greatness. <laughs> well, and again, I'm going to be blunt because that's all I can be. You know, when you look at my like name, it. Robert Raymond Riopel, the R's are, I've got three R's for my initials, but mm-hmm. the R's also stand for something else. Whenever I'm teaching or talking or training, I'm going to keep it real, which means I'm going to give you the good. I'm going to give you the bad. I'm going to give you the ugly because I'm never going to sit there and give you the fluff of, oh, if everything's perfect in your life, you can have this and nothing will ever go wrong because <laughs> that's not life. <laughs> I like to keep it relevant. If it's not yeah. working today, if it worked even last year, but it's not working today, I'm not going to teach you. COVID changed the world around and the people that Absolutely. adjusted are the ones that are thriving. The people that are stuck going, but I always did it this way. Yeah, but that way don't work no more. You know? <laughs> so I'm going to keep it relevant and I'm going to keep it repeatable so that people can can get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, man, with being real and, and, and I'm going to just, the thought went out of my head. Ask me the question again, Adrian, because all of a sudden it was like, there was gone. <laughs> well, this is all part of the conversation. This is what I love about this. You know, you mentioned before about, people shifting the conversation back to me. Here's the thing, Robert. People hear me talk all the time <laughs> to the point. They're probably like, you know what? This is good to hear somebody else's voice. Adrian, we love you, but you know we're okay for now. So yeah. back to the question here <laughs> that you can answer. And this is something that I want to know because I've always wondered too. Why is it important to you that people tap into that inner yes. greatness? Like, Why is it important? Because somebody would ask, why would you care about me tapping into my inner greatness, Robert? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you brought me back to it because here's what I want people to understand is at every point in time, every point in time with every interaction, every person you're meeting, one of two things is happening. You're either affecting them with your greatness or you're infecting them with mm. your mediocrity. Mm. And, and, and here's what I want people to get by that. That means you don't even have to say a word. Your energy, your vibration the way you walk in the room, the way you carry yourself, the way you own your own greatness or not is radiating off of you. And when you're not owning your greatness, you're actually giving people permission around you to not own theirs, to have self-doubt, to allow that to take them out that, oh yeah, you know, you don't know if someone's watching you and we're always being watched. And I'm not talking about big brother. We're always being observed. And so have you ever had this situation, Adrian, where you're in a restaurant and you're having a conversation and someone walks in and you just can't help but notice them, something about their energy. And and it's like, I don't know what it is about that person and I can't put my finger on it and you don't have to, but they've got a confidence, they've got an energy that's just radiating. And so when you're in your greatness, you are subconsciously, automatically giving permission to other people to live into theirs. And so think of the ripple effect and you talk, you know, you drop that pebble, it hits the water, the ripples go out and Mm -hmm. people talk about the ripple effect. I don't want a ripple effect. I want people to own their greatness because I want a freaking tsunami of change effect to people around the world. And and I'm going to say this next part, not to put pressure on people, but I'm going to say this to give them the importance of how important they are. Because right now there's people that may be listening to this that are going, you know, Robert, um, you don't know where my life's at. I, I'm, I have nothing to contribute. I don't even know why I'm here on this planet. And I'm going to say it like this. Every single one of us has a gift to give this world. And if you're listening, I want you to take in a deep breath right now. And I want you to let it out. 
if you're able to still do that, there's a reason why you're still here. You still have a gift to give. And there's a, a, a lesson that I teach my students that is really, I bring it back to me because it's what I need in my life sometimes as well. Think of the world and your life. You are a piece in a puzzle. You're a little puzzle piece. And the saying says this, for every person who finds their place to put their piece of their puzzle. So when you're living in your greatness, you're actually putting your piece of the puzzle into the universal picture. For every person who finds their piece of where to place it, they automatically give a thousand other people permission to place their piece. What that means is if you're not living into your greatness and you haven't placed your piece, there's a thousand other people who can't, who won't be able to place their piece because they're actually waiting for you to find your place. And, And let's do the math. You impact a thousand, each of those thousand impact a thousand more each, which impacts a thousand more each. Mm. See how important you are to this planet? So what you're saying is that we have this impact that is much more grandiose than what we think of it to be. And for some people, that would scare the living heck out of them. But we need to be jolted in order to come out of this thing called mediocrity. I love what you said earlier about this whole idea of you can affect people with your greatness, or you can infect them with your mediocrity. I'm going to use that as a quote of the show, actually, because that really made me stop in my tracks and think about that. And the way that you speak with so much passion, I can see why you're highly respected and you're wanted around the world to speak about the clues and greatness of life, because it's just, it radiates off of you, as you mentioned earlier. And speaking of that, Robert... I've had the opportunity in watching some of your videos. And let me say first that the energy <laughs> is out of this world, literally. There was a part of the video that I watched, I'm not, not sure which one, where you mentioned a saying that nature leaves clues for us to see and watch. And, you know, I like this because I'm a huge advocate of being an observer of life lessons in nature. And one of mm-hmm. the people that I learned from was Ralph Emerson. You know, great father of self-reliance who talked a lot about nature and, and the clues of life and comp- law of compensation. But there was one thing that you said that actually made me think deeper. You said we can also get our clues from watching the nature of people who have been successful. Now, I have not heard that one before. So I'm going to give you a two thumbs up because I was like, whoa, let me just write this one down here and bring this on the show as a question. Because When we think about nature, we are a representation of that. We're a reflection of nature. We're all one embodiment. And the nature of people is so apparent in how it affects and infects people, as you had said before. So you have shared the stages, Robert, with highly successful people and thought leaders. What are some of those common natures that you find that successful people share? Oh, one right off the top is they're not afraid of failure. Okay. See, to me, the the only time you fail is when you quit. That's the only time you fail, which means you have the decision. And I love what Robert Kiyosaki says. He says, there's always time to quit. So do it later. Do it later. (laughs) (laughs) Why quit now? And and, and if you look at it, failure is actually nothing more than another word that starts with F, feedback. And if you think about it, some of our greatest lessons in life come from what did not work. Look at, and, and all self-made millionaires, how many of them went through one or several bankruptcies? And mm-hmm. of course, that all of a sudden is like, ooh, bad, boo, boo. But it's like, but they kept, they learned something and went again. But how many people would get stopped in their tracks 
and go, oh, I failed. It didn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Poor me. I'm going to play the victim. The life world has it out for me. I'm not going to do anything. And then you guess what? You're right. You won't. But if you take the failures of feedback, and then mm-hmm. it's those three questions that I always say to myself, to teams, whenever things are done, what worked? Make a list. No emotion to it. Just boom, boom, boom. Point of um, fact. This worked, this worked, this worked, this worked. What did not work? No emotion, no blame, not, oh, because of you, we screwed up. No, it's this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, this one. Great. What can we do different? Because now that's where the greatest lesson comes in. Well, this didn't work and that did. So maybe if we do it this way, we'll expand on that um, success and we won't repeat the same thing that, you know, did not work. And that's how you keep yourself on a learning journey. Because think of it like, you know, a saying that's used a lot, but it, it makes the point. If you think about when they sent the first rocket to the moon, mm-hmm. 93% of the time on that journey to the moon, the rocket was off course. Hmm. Or actually 97%. Only 3% of the time was it actually on course. That meant the whole journey was small little adjustments all the way along. Adjust, 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 adjust. And one of the pe- reasons I see so many people struggle and and get frustrated is because they think my journey should be just nice and smooth and easy. Look at quantum <laughs> physics. Everything in quantum physics is energy and energy is made up of frequencies and vibrations. There's no straight line in the universe. Well, Robert, that's uh, right. I have a drafting ruler and I can take my ruler <laughs> and I can draw a straight line down it and it's a straight line. So that's what you just said is wrong. And I'll say, no, put it under a microscope and notice that little line that's straight under a microscope is thousands of little squiggly lines making that straight line. Wow. There's no See, straight line that, in the universe. I need to use that next time somebody tries to tell me about going straight in life. I'm going to say, you know what? Robert told me that <laughs> under the microscope, these little lines here, they're not straight. And I like that because you're getting under the surface of things. And this is why I'm saying that you are one of a kind because you just mentioned earlier that you're not going to sugarcoat things for our audience. You're going to say it like it is. And it's so important for people to understand this because failure is when you're wanting to be successful, failure is always going to be in that category. I like to say this. I don't lose. I learn. I learn yes. from what I have obviously failed at doing, but people are never a failure. And Socrates said this, the great Greek philosopher, and I love diving into his concepts. He said that failure is not where you have fallen. Failure is where you choose to stay once you have fallen. And Mm -hmm. when you refuse to get up and get your butt out of there, then you're accepting that as your own deemed failure. Now, when we think of failure, you just mentioned that a lot of people, successful people, including yourself around the world, have experienced many failures and a lot of chaos. And it comes with the formation of becoming a better you and a more centered you. So with the idea of chaos, why is chaos not only normal, but critical in life? And when we have chaos, how in the world do we utilize it or deal with it? Yeah. Well, first of all, understand as human beings, our primary objective on this planet is to evolve. And yet our mind doesn't want us to. And that's where Mm -hmm. the struggle comes in. And so chaos is meant to help us evolve. Sometimes it can be a subtle whisper to allow us to move in a new direction. But then what happens if we don't pay to that attention to that little whisper, we get a little smack upside the head. It's a little more intense because <laughs> that lesson's not going away. It's coming back. And what happens if we don't listen to it again? 
Oh, it's now a two by four upside the head. You're going to get the lesson until you finally get the lesson. And so I talk about what's called the four phases of life. We're always going through them, no matter what you want to do. And to keep it easy, Adrian, I, I love acronyms. I, I, you know, as a way of reminding myself that I still have a lot to learn, I say I have one brain cell left and I'm doing everything I can to take care of it. Because the moment I think I know everything, I am so done. And so when we talk about um, keeping it easy, I use acronyms. And so for the four phases, I use the acronym OPEN. Because when chaos comes in your life, think of it like a wall going up in front of you. How would you love to be able to say open sesame and be able to walk through it with elegance, yeah. ease, grace? So first phase, observation phase. The O stands for observation. This is where you're not a human being. You're not a human doing. You're actually a human creating. What do I uh, truly yeah. want in my life? That's what this I live by. This is where it's time to meditate. This is the time to ask that question. I, I love a friend of mine, what he does. Here's how he starts his day every day. He says, the first five minutes when I sit up on the side of my bed, close my eyes, I take a deep breath in, and I walk through in my mind, what is a perfect day going to look like for me? And I visualize it. I see it. See, he's creating what he'd like to see. Now, does that mean his day's going to turn out like that? Probably not you know, 100% ever. But because he's started his day that way, he's created a perfect life for himself. Not how do most people wake up? Oh, I don't want to go to work today. I hate my job. Oh my God. You start with that energy. Guess what your day is going to be like, right? And so it's I'm not gonna saying be, just be a like person. That. Yeah. I'm not saying be a person that just jumps out of bed and life is great. <laughs> no, I wake up and, you know, after two back surgeries, I wake up and I'm like sore and I'm like, I got to stretch my back. I got to do the little potty trick. Oh, I got to share this with you, Adrian. You'll love it. <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the biggest things that, holds people back. And I'm going to own, I do this as well. We put other people on pedestals. Oh, yes. We put them way that up has there. has been my thing. And a, and a friend of mine, I love what he says. He changed my life with this. He says, the moment you put someone else on a pedestal, here's what I want you to do. He says, close your eyes. I want you to see that person. I want you to visualize that person. I want you to visualize them walking. They go into the bathroom. They drop their pants. They sit on the throne and take a big dump. <laughs> He says, that'll bring you to reality because everybody shit sitting down. <laughs> he said, that'll it's take them off the pedestal right there, right? And you know, I, it I is love so that. true. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> analogy because, you know, I want to go back to this. You're mentioning the four currencies of life and you talked about- We're on the, the four phases. We'll do four currencies okay. after this. <laughs> the four phases of life. So we're talking about the observation factor, right? First. Yeah. And this whole idea of observation for me is the intention- Right, like you were saying, what is your intention for the day yeah. when you wake up? And I and I also want to talk about because I had this in my mind about chaos, Robert. <laughs> because when people wake up, they are automatically in chaos with themselves in the world. But one thing I've come to learn about chaos is that chaos is shit coming. Speaking of sitting down and and <laughs> chaos, audience, who we knew were, it was going in this you, direction. Audience, who knew this conversation was going to happen like this today? But we knew we we're going to have some fun, and we are. So if you are enjoying this and feel free to comment at some point, go to Facebook and do it. <laughs> this is a great time. So speaking of that, chaos is shit coming apart that we fully don't understand, that we're trying to fight for things to come together that eventually we will come to understand and appreciate. And the problem that I find with a lot of people with chaos is that they are fighting against the current of yes. growth. And that's what's making it so hard for them. 
And I feel that we all go through chaos, but when we do not embrace it, it changes everything. So Robert, I want to continue on with this conversation of the four phases of life. So it was observation. And what is that second phase? Yeah, the second phase, the P, stands for pamper. And Adrian, this is one of the, probably the phase that a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, try to ignore, don't think they can do it, that they don't deserve it, whatever it is. You you cannot give what you don't have. So if you're not taking care of yourself, That's how can correct. you truly take care of others? So in the pamper phase, when you're in this phase, this is the time to go on a vacation or plan a vacation. Uh, maybe get, if you need a haircut, I don't, get a haircut. Or get a manicure, get a pedicure, get a get a massage, get a facial. Or go for a walk. Do, work out to, if you love to take care of your body like that. Or sit down and read a book. One of the things I love to do the most, especially in a hectic day, when I feel I'm entering into a bit of a pamper phase, I take 20 minutes, I put my earbuds in, I on my phone I have an app called Calm, C-A-L-M, and I love the sound of um, water, so I listen to rain for 20 minutes just to mm. quiet my mind, and it rejuvenates me. It takes about the first five, six, seven minutes for my mind to start quieting, but then I go into a deep presence space that when I come out of it, I'm feeling so refreshed. So the reason I want to talk about entrepreneurs here is because they feel that, no, I got to get the work done. But you end up burning yourself out because you're not taking time to care of you, for, to take care of yourself, which mm-hmm. then translates over to your family. They don't feel like you're taking care of them. Uh, your mm-hmm. business partners, your customers, they don't feel like you're taking care of them. And it becomes a spiral. And so this one here takes two things. It takes being willing to feel selfish and creativity. And here's what I mean by that. You're going to feel selfish for taking time for yourself. But think of how money, when people talk about wealth, wealth rule number one, pay yourself first. If you do that, Mm -hmm. you have a much better chance of becoming um, wealthy. So doesn't it also make sense? Probably one of your most precious commodities in your life is your time. So Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you pay yourself first on your time? See, that's where the pamper phase comes in. One of the things my wife and I do on our phones, we live by our calendar on our phone. Before we schedule anything else, we put mm-hmm. our pamper pieces in. Time for Love ourselves, that. time to, for each other, time for family, time for health, whatever it is. That goes on first. And so in the pamper phase, is really critical. So second part where I said you have to be willing to be creative. And so when I was flying around the world before COVID, People go, well, Robert, why are you flying to the other side of the world where it's 10, 12, 14, 16 hour flight? Well, A, I love meeting people in all these cultures. But B, the creative and selfish side for me, when I hop on the plane and I sit in my seat, Adrian, mm-hmm. that's my time. That's Robert's time. I don't yeah. do work. I don't connect to Wi Fi. I either read because I love to read, I watch movies because I love to watch movies. Get That's a little sleep. Friends. <laughs> yeah. I ate, I eat great food and I drink great wine because I know the moment I land for the next three to five days, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day being of service to students. So if I'm not taking care of me, how the hell do I think I'm going to take care of them? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be really willing to pamper yourself. So that's the second phase. The E in the word open. Remember, I'm using an acronym mm-hmm. observation P for pamper. E is the energy phase. This is the get her done phase. (laughs) This is the phase where you're doing meetings, you're doing calls. Even if you don't feel like it, this is the time, you know, to get stuff done. And in my research, one of the things I've noticed though, Adrian, that stops a lot of people from having more success in their life. They're like, Robert, 
you don't know my life. Between my business or my job and my family, I'm just really busy. I don't have time for anything else. And here's what I've realized and I've noticed. People are really, really good at being busy, Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily productive. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. they're so, and I, I, just from my own life, and second thing that goes on my calendar is called focus time, where it's time specifically for one task, like writing my book. And I've noticed that one hour of me being productive, no other distractions, productive is equal for me of about six hours of being busy. Meaning, if you get in the habit of creating more productivity in your life, you'll actually find you free up a lot of time and energy. Because a one to six ratio for me, that's huge. Because I could go, oh, I'm going to write my book. And I can come into my office eight hours later, I walk out going... I didn't seem to do a lot on my book. What the heck was I doing? Oh, I was on social media. I was responding to instant messages. I was doing emails. Oh, and I wrote a little bit of the book. Because (laughs) our minds get distracted that way. So I put on my calendar like 10 to 11, write book, and it stays focused. I can put in, when I'm in an energy phase, I can put in an 18-hour day. And at the, the end of the day, am I tired? Yes. But am I burnt out and wasted? No. Because I've taken care of the pamper side. Mm. That's another reason the pamper side is so important. So I hope your listeners are getting that. Well, I like the energy side too, because you talk about the power of being productive versus busy. And I remember an article that was in a Time Magazine by Professor Earl Miller of MIT. And he talked about the cost switch perspective. So whenever (laughs) we shift our brain to something, it takes approximately 15 to 30 minutes for our brain to get back focused on that one original piece which is quite sad because we live in a society now where people are also trained to be multitaskers and they embrace that now as a badge of honor. And reality is, is that, yeah, you get a lot done, but when it comes to the productivity of things, you're not getting a lot done. You're just majoring in minor things. And I also love how you said too about busy and it reminds me of the, I love to share this with people, the busy bee perspective. Did you know that the worker bees, they only lived about three weeks to six weeks of their lifespan and they're working their butts off, literally going from flower to flower and all over the place. The queen bee lives between three to six years. People would say, well, how is that? Well, the queen bee is not running around from flower to flower. She is actually delegating means she's being productive. She's got groups Mm -hmm. of things that are going on. She knows where everything should be. And she's focusing on the one important thing, taking care of the hive. And that is a primary focus. For our audience, they may be thinking, well, what happens if we have a boss that's making us be a worker bee? Well, here's the thing. I have been in those positions before. You don't have to be a worker bee. You can learn how to delegate the things that are given to you. So if you're giving a lot of things, as Robert mentioned, create a calendar, and as he said, learn how to do these four phases that he's discussing now. I encourage you to write these down and to carry them with you to your work tomorrow, the next day, the next day, carry them to your meetings and ask yourself, all right, check, did I do what Robert said today? Why didn't I do that? Self-reflection is so important. So I digress oh, there a little yeah. bit, Robert. Yeah, but go ahead and, and what's, the, what's the last phase of well, this no. amazing- I got to come clean on this one. The N is not the first letter of the word, Adrian. Because I couldn't come up with a word for that fit that started with an N. So it's the second letter. It's the second letter. Okay. (laughs) And the fourth phase is what I call the unclutter phase. And I'll explain that in a moment because another way of um, calling it is chaos. 
the fourth phase mm-hmm. really is when chaos enters your life. And so we've been discussing it earlier that most people, they end up resisting chaos when they get that smack upside the head. Why is this happening to me? And if they don't get the lesson, it comes back harder and harder and harder. And so mm-hmm. when you understand that we're meant to evolve, again, that's what Absolutely. humans are meant to do. Chaos is there to help us evolve and we're, we're not getting it. It's going to keep coming back until we do get the message. And so instead of resisting it, if you learn to embrace it, embrace it, you can actually courageously volunteer for chaos in your life. So it doesn't have to come as a two by four. Here's why I call it the unclutter. Because in the chaos phase, this is the time to destroy something. Destroy something that's not working for you. Now, it could be a business or personal relationship. And I'm using the word destroy and people are like, whoa, I'm just going to go and nuke that relationship. No, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is if it's not working, (laughs) you've got to be willing to let it go. Okay. And so many people are so attached to things in their life. And this is why it takes courage is the way you participate is you courageously volunteer to have chaos in your life, which is why I call it unclutter because the way you do that is... Um, have you ever gone to your refrigerator, Adrian? You open it up and you're like, whoo, maybe there's something I should clean out of that fridge. It's been there a little too long. Oh, yeah. And you unclutter the fridge. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, I every couple of weeks, I'll come into my office. I'll unclutter my office. I'll look through my paperwork. I'll organize it. I'll put the stuff that needs to be shredded, shredded. Stuff that I'm not using anymore, I get rid of it. Instead of just letting it gather, gather, gather until it's such a huge mess, all of a sudden I need something important and I can't find it. So I'm always uncluttering. Go to your closet and just unclutter. Walk into your clothes closet. Love a rule I was taught years ago. When you walk into your clothes closet, look for the clothes that you have not put on in six months or longer and get rid of them. Donate them because chances are you're not going to wear them. Oh, but Robert, when I lose a little bit of weight, I'll be able to fit back into it. I don't want to spend that money again. Uh, Let it go. Yeah, here, here. Yo, when you release that weight and you're ready for that size again, go out and buy something new because fashion has changed. Let right? it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> that's right. I love Frozen, and that's a mantra I use in my mind. Anytime I get stuck on something, I'll just sit there and go, let it go, let it go. <laughs> that's the only part of the song that I know. And that's all I need to know because that mantra instantly goes, oh, why are you hanging on so tight, dude? Why yeah. is this so important? And I love what a friend of mine said. He said this, instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you. Oh, that's a good one. The moment you think, if you think you have control, that's probably the biggest cosmic joke out there, Adrian. You have no control. The only thing you have control of is how you react to what's going on in your life. So if chaos is ruling you, it's because you're reacting and you have the choice. Mm. This is where you get choice. You always have choice on how you react. You can sit there and go, oh my God. Or you can go, okay, got it. That's not working. What can I do different? Mm-hmm. And so courageously allow life to live you and go with that flow. Think about what you said, swimming against the current. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling and, and maybe you're in a river and you're trying to get to the, get to the bank because you think you're going to drown. And the more you struggle against the current, the more you get tired, the more you start going under. But if all of a sudden you just relax, let the current take you and slowly go with it and move your way towards the bank, all of a sudden you're reserving your energy and you're able to get that to where, okay, I, tensed, I sink. Relaxed, I float a little bit better. And I come from the example because I'm a sinker. Mm-hmm. Just the way my body's made, I'm a sinker. And so the moment I relax, though, I get a little bit more buoyancy, which allows me to not expend so much energy. And that's life right there. Why, you know, and, and think of, I'm, I'm going to kind of go down a little rabbit hole here, but think of how 
when it comes to Facebook, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. or any social media, mm-hmm. you see something that you don't like. And so what do you do? I'm going to put my opinion on it. I'm going to tell them why they're wrong. They're full of crap. And all of a sudden you put resistance into it. And all of a sudden you're going, why is my feed full of all this same crap coming at me that, you know, I, because you put energy towards it. That's true. The, and the algorithm went, oh, he responded or she responded to this. They must be interested in it. Let's send them more of that. And all of a sudden you're going, <laughs> no, no, that's not what I mean. Ah. And, and then you get caught up in that energy. Or if you could sit there and go, huh, I don't agree with that statement and just scroll by it. Allow, control your scroll, my friends. Control your control scroll. Control your because, scroll. I like that. You know, have you watched the documentary Social Dilemma? Yes, I have. And, and boy, did that stress a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. How dare <laughs> they do that? But you know what? Let's put another – this is a perfect example I'm talking about. You could either sit there and go, oh, my God, they're watching every nanosecond of how long I watch a video, how slow my <laughs> scroll is. How, how dare they send all this information to me just based on what I'm looking at? Well, if you understand, they're actually giving you the greatest example of law of attraction in your life because the algorithms are watching what you're putting your energy towards. So if you don't That's like true. what you're seeing, it's because you're putting energy to what you don't like. So here's a, here's a test I want everybody to do. I want you to start when you're on social media next. Just only look at the and stop at and pause at things that grab your attention because you're in alignment with them. You like them. And don't give them a like. Give them a heart. And watch how quickly your feed will change to only give you things that you love. And all of a sudden, your feed is now full of and you're attracting the things that you absolutely love because you're going to attract stuff anyway. So why not attract the stuff you love instead of the stuff that you're hating? And people go, well, Robert, how quickly will this happen? Instantaneous. Instantaneous. I guarantee you. We've put this to the test. A friend and I, we started going through our feeds and we just started loving the things. Anything that we didn't like, we didn't even pause because it's tracking how quickly you go through. So we'd speed it up. We keep going, oh, like this one, take time to read it, take time to like, um, put the love, comment or not, but that love was the most important. The easy part is changing your algorithm. The hard part is maintaining it. You see, because okay. the dragons are going to come in to try and test you. All of a sudden, one of those things, you're gonna, it's going to catch your eye for a little bit more than a half second, and you're going to be tempted to go, <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. Scroll. Control that scroll, my friends. Control that scroll. And Control why? Scroll. And, and this is why it's important to have great coaches in your life, have great mentors in your life, be part of masterminds. Mm-hmm. Because quit trying to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Change is easy. Maintenance is what's hard. And people go, I want a greater life. Well, then make the change, but then maintain the change. And that takes work and practice. And, you know, even something I just wrote, uh, read a couple days ago about Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Easily and unarguably the greatest swimmer that the U.S. has ever had. The gold medals he has to show. And I never knew the story about him. And... um there was a, an event where he was going for one of his gold medals and to break the record or something like that. And when he dove in, his goggles came down and he had also had the water in his eyes and he still won and won the gold medal and people, no one knew it had happened. And he's in an interview later and he kind of mentioned it happened. And one person was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. If you couldn't see, how did you still win and get the gold medal in -hmm. record time? And he says, because of the movies I watch. Hmm. And, and the person's like, movies you watch? What do you mean? He goes, oh, no, no, not the movies you're thinking about. He says, I've watched the movie in my mind so many times. 
of every swim meet, every meet. How am I kicking? How many strokes? Where's that wall? Knowing my swimming style, where do I do the turn? How many strokes does it take before I'm at that wall so I don't have to think about it? And he said, the moment those goggles went down, I just had to watch the movie. And I knew where I was in the pool. I knew it, how many strokes, how my kicks were doing. He said, I just watched that movie all the way through to the finish line. Wow. What That's an amazing story. Yeah. That's so brilliant of watching the story in your head before it takes place because that is the cue. That's the visual, the reality you're looking to create. The whole perspective you were saying about the intention and the four phases and how all this plays into someone's life and how they can actually move through chaos as opposed to letting chaos yeah. crush Embrace them. Embrace it. I, I Embrace love it. it, Robert. I love this. You know, and I want to, before we go today, I want to talk. Um, what are the four currencies of life for our audience here? So now we talked about the four phases of life, but what are the yeah. four currencies of life? And to touch on those briefly, because I want our audience to actually find you, we'll put your contact information into the, uh, the show notes here. And I want them to dig more into the four currencies of life and even have you work with them on it. But before we do that, what are those four currencies of life? Yeah. And I appreciate that, Adrian. And I'll tell you, it's, it's part of the, my new book that I am writing, The Authority Key. And okay. the four currencies of life, um, the one is the first one is the one people think of the most when you say the word currency. It's money. And mm -hmm. here's the thing about money. You can have too much money or you can have too little money. Too mm -hmm. much money is called affluenza. Mm -hmm. Too little money called poverty. And everybody in my research, I've noticed everybody has a zone. That if mm -hmm. you're in the zone between poverty and, and affluenza, you, your life financially goes really, really well. Affluenza means you know you're there when you start doing stupid things with your money, like making an investment without doing the due diligence. Oh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like good investment. Here you go. And then <laughs> acting shocked when you lose that money. Or you start buying things you don't really need, but because you have so much money, you're like, ah, oh, that, you know, so affluenza can sabotage people quickly. So currency of money, you want to, your zone is going to be different from other people. And through your life, it's going to change based on okay. who you are, how much you grow. Okay. Okay. And it's easy to identify. Uh, and when people come to me, I give them tips on how to identify what your zone is. Okay. Second currency of life is the currency that every single one of us, I don't care who you are, we have the exact same amount of, and that's currency of time. <laughs> and it's again, if you're too busy in life, you're stressed, you know, and that's, or, or you're stressed and that's kind of the lower part of it. If you're um, too much time on your hand, you're bored. It's boredom. And so again, it's about where's your zone in that. And it's how yeah. are you using your time? If you realize your time is one of the most precious commodities that you have. You know, when COVID hit and everybody was now work from home, it blew me away how many people are like, I'm bored. Uh, and it's like, really? I'm busier <laughs> now and more productive now than when I was flying around the world all year long, right? That's how I so was, So that's yeah. the currency of time. How are you okay. using it? Third currency is the currency of fame. Especially with social media Ooh. the way it is today, everybody wants their That's 15 a big minutes one. of fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just look at TikTok. Look at all the different things that people <laughs> hope will, will get out there. And fame is not a problem. It's how you handle fame that you've got to concern yourself with. Because if okay. you ever noticed, you can have an actor or an actress, an um, amazing um, singing artist, someone who gets that fame, and some of them, it crumbles them, even to suicide. Whereas others... They get the same pressures, but yet they seem to handle it. Why is that? Well, when it comes to the currency of the fame, this is, and I love that you said it earlier in the interview, introspection, checking in on yourself. 
I'm constantly checking in with me. How am I doing? Why is this affecting me this way or that way? I'm always on that inner site, you know, checking in with who I am. And I love an interview that I had um, seen years ago with Jennifer Lopez. And the interviewer said, look, Jennifer, you're a powerhouse in business, singer, dancer, actress, all these things. And you're a powerhouse, but you also have great family relations and you're a powerhouse there. How do you keep them separate? And she said, basically, well, I'm just me. That's mm-hmm. all I can be. I'm just me. She said, but when I'm in my business mode, I'm J-Lo. Mm. That's my persona. When I'm at home, I'm Jennifer. That's my persona with family. And I thought, you know, that's brilliant because I took that where when I'm traveling around the world, Adrian, and I'm in on stages in front of thousands of people, I'm Robert Raymond Riopelle. That's my persona, but I'm still me in that mm-hmm. persona. But when I get home, I'm just Robert. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? And this is a running joke with my wife and I. When, we co- when I come home from around the world and I've had assistants taking care of everything, she's like, honey, you're home again. No assistance here. Go take out the garbage. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. Because can you imagine? I love camping. Can you imagine mm-hmm. me sitting around the fire and I look at my family and I go, don't you know who I am? I'm Robert Raymond Riopelle. Go get me a beer. Oh, they get me a beer all right. It'd probably end up off the side of my head because they're like, dude, you're not all that. <laughs> and so you've got to be you and just understand because pressure gets put on you as you create fame in your life. So do you know how to handle it or not? Can you be you within it? It reminds me of Wayne Dyer. He's actually considered to be one of the grandfathers of, of motivation. Mm-hmm. And he said that he came home one day and told his wife, I'm on the New York Times bestselling list, you know, and I, I did this. And she looked at him. You mean your book is on the New York Times selling list? <laughs> Not you, the book. <laughs> and that put it into perspective for him that, oh, yeah, that's right, the book, not me. Also, what reminded me of what you said about your situation and your experience with your wife, Denzel Washington said the same thing pretty much. He would come home from the sets of the, the movie sets and he walked through the front door. There was no like applause and welcome, Denzel. It was like, you forgot to take the trash out this morning. <laughs> you know? and, and immediately he has to go and get the trash. But he said that made him feel centered, that oh. it wasn't about the fame with them. It was about them seeing him for who he is. Now, not to say that he's not Denzel out there, not to say that you're not Robert, Robert Raymond Riopel out there, but it is to say that you are, it's a different energy. It's yeah. this energy and then it's this other energy. And I love how you have placed that. Yeah, and, and that's it. And, and look, we are, we are just who we are. We're no better or worse than anybody else. And stay humble, stay humble. You know, especially because fame, you can have fame and, and it can um, take you to a whole new level, but can also crush you. And right. you could lose everything. So that's the um, third currency. The fourth currency is one I love to spend the most time on, Adrian, and especially now, and that's the currency of experience. Experience. Yes. I don't want to just exist through life. I want to experience life. Probably, excuse me, the worst thing that could happen for me is for me to be on that, you know, at the end of my life and look back going, what did I really do? Oh, I traveled around the world. I did this and did this, but I really don't remember it because I was just existing through it. So everything I do, I want to make it an experience so I remember it, which keeps me in the practice of being present here, now, in the moment, because that's where some of the greatest experience comes from, 
is like, hey, I can't wait to experience that. Well, when you get there, experience it. But right now, where are you right now? Oh, yeah, I got a pack for the trip. Right. So take your shirt, put it in the suitcase, (laughs) experience what that's like. Right. And when it comes to the currency of experience, that's what's really going to determine quality of life, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And understand, Mm -hmm. this is just my opinion. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just my opinion, plain and simple. And the more you can have experience of what's happening in the moment, imagine the more the people around you, going back to that owning your greatness, affecting people with your greatness. If you're totally present in the experience, people get that energy. Yeah. Because how many times have we been in a conversation with someone and, or, or a person's like, oh, I, I'm a father and uh, I, you know, my kids say I don't spend enough time with them, but I'm there with them and I spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, physically, but are you there mentally and emotionally? Or is that somewhere else? Because yeah. your kids will pick up on that in a nanosecond. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, mom or dad's here, but they're really not here because mm-hmm. they're thinking about what else needs to be done. But if they were to take that moment, take a deep breath in and say, I'm here. And, and, and I love the, you know, the way they do it from the movie um, Avatar. Mm-hmm. I see you. Powerful mm. words. Because when you truly see someone, that means you're there with them in that moment. That's all it is. I love that. Wow. This is powerful, Robert. And these four phases of life and the four occurrences of life are the ingredients I feel that has allowed you or has created this world that you live in where you're able to help so many people with this tsunami effect that you mentioned earlier in the show. And I can see why there's students, there's people who look to you. And honestly, this has been a fantastic conversation with you. And so many gems were dropped, or must I say clues were left for us to follow. Because I don't know any other way to express how success can be than what you've just explained to us. And this greatness perspective that you just mentioned was something that really made me think deeply about greatness again, because I hear it a lot. And I'll be honest with you. Now, a lot of people say the word greatness. We've, we've heard it quite a bit. But when it comes from people who are living their greatness, it's very different. The energy is very different. So I want to thank you for living your greatness and helping all of us to begin to do the same, my friend. And speaking of that, to help others out, how can our audience get in touch with you to learn about any upcoming events, your book, or any speaking engagements, and to learn more about how to find their clues to success? Yeah, absolutely. Easiest way to stay in touch with me. I am on social media in a number of places, but what I would love to do, you know, we talk about that commodity of time and the currency of time. One of the greatest commodities you have is because you were gracious enough to have me for the third time <laughs> on your show. <laughs> I love it. And more, you know, more importantly, your audience has spent their valuable time listening to you and I have a little bit of fun because we've had we've just had a little fun. bit. No, we've had a we, lot we, of fun today. We've had a, we've had an hour of fun. And let me tell you, this has been the fastest conversation I've ever had. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, we've been on this thing for an hour, which happens from time to time. So for our audience, you know, Look at this time frame. Don't let that hour deter you. Go in, listen to the whole entire conversation because there are clues all throughout that lead to the grand finale or crescendo that we're doing right now. Yeah. And so what I would love to do as a gift from us to your audience, if they simply go to robertriopel.com, just my name, R-O-B-E-R-T-R-I-O-P-E-L.com, they're actually going to be able to download the entire digital copy of my book, Success Left a Clue, my first Ooh, book, okay. as our right. gift to them. Now- However, Adrian, I'm going to tell you, this does come with a caveat. 
Um, right. I did not write this book for people to read it, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not okay. why I wrote it. Okay. And I, because I know people are creatures of habit. I, step number three in the six steps in this book to creating a greater life is taking action. And out of all my travels around the world, the biggest difference between success and non is successful people take action. So I wrote mm-hmm. it as a workbook where there's actually, there's work, um, there's action steps all the way through. And because it's written with my quirkiness and my fun, I even have it in there where I'll say in a chapter at the beginning, did you read the last chapter or do the last action? If not, stop reading right now, go back, do the action before you read any more because I know people are creatures of habit. And I'm going to make a promise to your audience. If they go and download this book and read it and do the actions, they will see that they take their life to another level. And once they um, do that as well, it keeps them in contact with me where they'll be able to hear about the different trainings I'm doing and such so that if they want to follow or reach out to me, they can absolutely do that. What a wonderful gift to our audience. And I'll be sure that I'll get that gift too for myself to read because I also love learning. And like you mentioned, Robert, a major clue to success is taking action. You have to move forward. Thank you so much, Robert, for this wonderful conversation. And you are definitely the clue man. (laughs) And I love it. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for listening to The Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks. Subscribe to the show and connect with Adrian on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Learn more about the host and his change-making perspectives at adrianstarks.net and download the podcast on your favorite platform to be inspired by more life-changing content. It's time to be a courageous creator of your own change and be purposeful about doing it.